Jake from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. John Trumbull, how are you, good sir? I, I'm, I'm doing all right, Darren. How are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, word around town is that you, you got yourself, you got, you got, you got yourself all vaxxed up. Uh, well, vaxed? not all vaxxed up, like half vaxxed oh. up. But, half. Um, you know, I, I got, I'm, I'm getting one of those two dose vaccines, like all the cool Ooh. kids. Yeah. And it's, it's the Moderna vaccine, which oh, is nice. the one that I, I think that Dolly Parton financed. So you know it's really good. Ah, uh, yes, the Jolene vaccine. Exactly. Exactly, my friend. That's right. Did you get that? Uh, when did you get that? It was like, was it between nine to five? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, it was uh, quite a way to make a living. There you go. <laughs> that was like the, I was trying to think for the Jolly Parton song to to wedge in there, and I thought that was at nine to five. Nine to five, Jolene. That, that's that's all I got. Well done, sir. Thank you. Uh, and that you is it? why I will always love you. Oh, oh, damn it! Did you get it? <laughs> Did you get your vaccine on a island in the stream? That <laughs> just okay. That's all right. That was. Yeah, oh, I'll admit we it. Went, that went was, too that far. Was, yeah, I, I flew too close to the sun on that one. I apologize, people. That's all right, but yeah, no, I I feel good that I I got it. Uh, looking forward to getting the second dose uh, towards yeah. the end of the month. That'll be good. I mean, I, That'll be a load I mean, off. I've heard the second one is that's the one that knocks you on your keister. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing. You haven't gotten your second dose quite yet either. Uh, You're getting yours your second dose soon, though, right? Yes, it'll be next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, coming up. Um, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm not dreading it, but like I'm like I'm, I'm all a flutter. Um, I think uh, people have told me I should stock up on electrolytes and Tylenol. So I'm just gonna do that. I guess get a bunch of Pedialyte and some pills and. Uh, you know, hope for the best. You should you should get some Brondo. That's that has electrolytes. It's it's what oh, plants crave. That's right. It is what plants crave. Yeah. Oh, I can just it's go got to electrolytes. Our... Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that what a pull! Holy moly! I totally forgot about Brondo. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh. Uh yeah, so uh yeah, so that's that's what's going on in our world, uh, people. Actually, you know what? Did you want to talk about um? Did you want to talk about the 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 news that SNL just dropped about the next two guests? Uh yeah, I guess we can uh, talk about that. They they did announce uh, that they're going to have uh for their remaining two shows of the season, they're they're going to have some hosts and musical guests in the post Elon Musk era. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the Elon Musk episode is coming up, and we'll uh, less said about that the better. Uh, but, um, but for the last two shows uh, coming up, they have uh, on the fifteenth, we got ourselves Mr. Keegan Michael Key with a musical guest, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, which is interesting. Um, and on the 22nd, which will be the final show, we got Anya Taylor-Joy and Little Nas X. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm really excited that Keegan-Michael Key is going to host the show. Uh, I, I think that's pretty great. You and I were both big, big fans of Key and Peele. I think that was like probably the best sketch comedy show of the last decade, certainly. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does on the show. Yeah, it's like it's a Keegan Michael Key hosting. That was one of those things where I never thought about it. Like it just never occurred to me. And then once they announced that he was going to do it, I was like, oh, yeah, why? Why didn't that occur to me? Of course, he'd be perfect. It's, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that SNL is going in this direction where they're having a host who has a background in uh, sketch comedy and improv. Yeah, so radical way to go, right? It's a bold move, I'll admit. Uh, let's, let's see if this it's pays a, off. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. <laughs> oh, Pepper needs new shorts. Uh, but yeah, and uh, Olivia Rodrigo, I'm not too familiar with her. I know she she's the one that made that song uh, Driver's License that they did that whole sketch on a few episodes ago where okay. like, the guys the guy singing in the pool hall and the dude gets on the and I think Mikey Day stands on the pool table at one point. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. I, I remember <laughs> not entirely getting that because I wasn't really familiar with the source material. So Yeah, so maybe she'll sing it and the guys will come out again and dance around her while she sings it. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? Who knows? The possibilities are endless. Yeah, and uh, final episode, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, you probably remember her. She had she kind of had a breakout year with uh, The Queen's Gambit on uh, Netflix. That was like her big thing. But uh, she's been, kind of been kicking around in movies for uh, quite a bit. She was in uh, she was in M. Night Shyamalan's movie uh, Split and Glass. Uh, she was also in the movie Emma. And she was also in, oh, uh, Peaky Blinders. And uh, she was also in a movie I still haven't seen yet, uh, The New Mutants, which i um, probably we'll get to around around two at some point okay yeah i mean i know Queen, uh, queen's gambit was like the big uh, trendy tv show there for a while uh i have not watched it but uh you know hey looking forward to seeing what she does yeah and of course little nas x is a pretty big get he's uh he's he's, he's so hot right now he's he's a big deal in these streets what with uh twerking on the devil and whatnot so uh yeah let's see what he has planned for the final show we'll mm-hmm. see what happens but yeah, either way, those both those shows I'm looking way more forward to than uh, what's coming up. But let's not talk about that right let's now. Let's not talk about that. We're not here for that. We're not here for that. We're you know what we're here to talk about. You know what we're here for, John? Uh, uh, yes, because we talked about it before we started recording. You know what? Yes, you're right. Yeah, uh, we're here to talk about square pegs. Square yeah. pegs. Remember that show, kids. Probably not, because it only ran for 20 episodes. Right. (laughs) Back in the early 1980s. Right. So, uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about Square Pegs. We're here to pay our respects to the uh, late, great Ann Beats Mm -hmm. with uh, the show that ran for one season, uh, September 1982 to 83. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty, I mean, basically, it's a pretty simple premise. It's about two two teenage uh, girls go into high school. Right. Uh, freshman year. It's very had like a very pen fifteen type of uh, vibe. Um, it, the two girls are Patty and Lauren, mm-hmm. played by Amy Linker, and uh, another actress you might know as Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, young Sarah Jessica Parker. This is one of her first big credits. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's just kind of about their trials and tribulations going through high school, and they're trying to fit in with the popular crowd, but. They don't fit in because they are square pegs in a round hole. Oh, I see. Oh, I get it now. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's basically the premise. Like, it's just them trying to be popular, trying to be cool, trying to get into the, the hip, cool cliques. Uh, the character Lauren seems to be, like, 
just like obsessed with it. She's like, we gotta be popular. We just gotta. Yeah, she's the real driving force in it. And yeah, they never they never really examined much about like, you know, why is it so important for you to be popular or but I mean, but I guess, you know, it's high school. It, it, that is the big thing. That is the most important thing, I guess. Yeah, and of course it it kind of never comes about that they get popular because, you know, they're both, you know, homely nerds because uh, Sarah Jessica Parker has on glasses. As oh my god, know, horrors. Yeah. As as we all know, if you wear glasses, you are you are disfigured and should be uh, shunned by society. And, yes. Uh, unloved for the rest of your days. You are a hideous beast person who is undeserving of love. That's right. I don't know how I pulled off my wife. Like I'm like, like, honey, you know I have glasses, right? That's like. I mean, I was assuming it was like some sort of blackmail situation, but I don't know. I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> I have photos. <laughs> and uh, you know, so 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 Patty, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, she has the barrier of glasses, and Lauren, Amy Linker's character, she is. Well, the the show tells us that she's fat. Um, <laughs> that is not really uh, corroborated by the evidence of our eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Amy Linker, the, the actress, apparently they couldn't find an overweight actress that they liked for the role. So they had Amy Linker wear a fat suit under her clothing <laughs> for the show. And she also wore uh, fake braces. Um, right. Still a... not very fat. So it's very weird as, as the show goes on. You hear several people like refer to her as the fat girl. And you're like, really? Is there like a fat person standing near Lauren or something? Yeah. This is a, I think you, you, I think you might have mentioned this before where like the casting seems to be super rough. Cause even uh, Ann Beat mentioned mm-hmm. in uh, many interviews when she cast this thing, uh, the first person to get that uh, rehearsed or never rehearsed, was, uh, that auditioned was Sarah Jessica Parker. And, like, even then they knew she was right for the part. But, right. I mean, according to Ann Beach, she said, like, it's like renting an apartment. You don't you don't go for the, pers- for the first apartment you see. Just, like, you can't go for the first person that comes in to read. So, like, they had to kind of have her come back and, like, kind of go through the rigmarole of it, even though they knew she was the one. Uh, but another concern of theirs was that, you know, uh, Ann Beat said she's just way too pretty to be mm-hmm. a nerd. Like, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker is, you know, super pretty. So, like, I think, I think, I believe what they said is one of the, uh, one of her assistants or something like that. One I think it was the casting director. Casting director. Thank yeah. you. Um, took some, a pair of sunglasses and popped out the sunglass lenses and told Sarah to put them on. So she had the glasses and she rehearsed it and then. I think that what's that would that's what won and beats over. It's like, oh, okay. and then yeah, suddenly she was hideous enough to play the role. Right. It's the same way. Like Clark Kent is a hideous uh, beast, but Superman is a it's a big old hunk. That is correct. Yeah, no lies detected. That's right. Glasses will make you just look like a like a big old pile of poo. <laughs> Again, yeah, I I I debate you if I could, but uh... right. Yeah. And, uh, and the same thing with the Amy Linker. She's actually, you know, she, again, she's she's a very uh, pretty girl. Yeah. But they just put they just pat her in this uh, padding and put on braces on her and say, "All right, yeah, you're you're heinous now." It's a very um, she's all that type of situation. I mean, you know, of course, it, you know, it's TV, so the people are always going to be more attractive 
than they would be in real life because, well, you know, most people, they don't want to watch ugly people on TV. <laughs> We're shallow. <Yeah. laughs> We're a shallow society. Um, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, so, so there's that casting. And the, the rest of the casting is a little bit off, too, because we also have the popular kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, well. the super popular girl in the school is uh, a character named Jennifer... Denuncio, played by Tracy Nelson, who um, she she's had a long career. She's probably best remembered as uh, Tom Bosley's uh, partner slash sidekick in the Father Dowling mystery. She was like the young nun who helped him solve mysteries. Yeah, I was wondering where I recognized her from too, because I when I saw her, I was like, oh, she kind of looks like Lori Petty, but that's not Lori Petty, right? And then when I you know did a little uh, deep dive research, I was like, oh, the nun. Yeah, I remember you now. The Habit at three off, yeah. But, I mean, she's kind of offbeat casting as the super popular girl because, like, everybody talks about her like she's, like, this supermodel of the school. Like, like she's a a young Heather Locklear type or something like that. And Tracy Nelson, perfectly pretty uh, person, but not the the super foxy type that you'd expect, you know? Not the va-va-voom, hubba-hubba... Uh, knockout that you yeah, expect. Yeah. yeah. And and she has a boyfriend, uh, Vinny, uh, who's played by an actor named uh, John Caleri. And and they right. talk about him as being like super hunky. And I, I thought he was kind of like just sort of average looking, you know? Yeah. Like he was, he was like, whatever. Like you could, you could tell they were trying to make him like they're going for another Travolta type, like another. They're trying to make another Vinnie Barbarino, right? Right. Because because in the show he's like like super Italian. Of course, his name's Vinnie. Yeah. And he's you know dresses in leather jacket, and he's like, hey, oh, how you doing? Like that, like because yeah. it was still the age of you know Fonzie or Vinnie Barbarino or or even Carmine and Laverne and Shirley. That, that like that was the type. That was the bad boy type of the time. Yeah. Like a yeah, like a dude, like a dude. At, you know, you know, black leather jacket can dance. You know, that's what they're looking for. And so he was even, like, "Oh, how you doing?" Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Even like you, you remember that show, The Greatest American Hero? Uh, you kind of. I mean, I just remember the dude with the curly afro that couldn't fly and like right, right. William Cat. He was a teacher on that show, and there, like one of the students in there was like a young uh, Michael Paré, and I can't remember the character name, but he was another like sort of you know Italian stallion type. And, you know, Michael Paré, very handsome dude. So you could see, like, you know, why he's he's the thing. And and this guy just didn't have that thing, you know, that, like, the young Travolta had or the young Henry Winkler had. He didn't have it. He didn't have it, yeah. He was just kind of there. <laughs> he didn't have it. He had that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, like, Vinny and... Uh, Jennifer is supposed to be like the it couple, the the couple that everybody adores, like the the one that everybody, the people who want to be with them, mm-hmm. and they just and uh, I just, just don't see like, it, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I feel the same way. They just didn't. I mean, the two of them together kind of had chemistry a little bit, um, but yeah, but like looks wise, each one of them were like, oh, okay. Oh, I guess. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, oh. you say those are the popular people in in this high school, and it's uh, uh, what was the name of the high school? Weemany. Oh, Weemawee High School, fictitious high school. 
Um, they never say where it takes place, but they there have been episodes where they mention like Connecticut and nearby New York City. So that leads yeah. me to believe it's like in a tri-state area somewhere. Yeah. Although it's it has a very the show has a very California vibe because uh, Jennifer, I don't know if you mentioned it, she she talks like very Valley Girl. She says. Oh, yeah. Like. She, she's like, every other word is like, like, and uh, oh, very annoying to listen to. I got very tired yeah. of her very quickly. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know. Yeah. That's like, that's like half of her dialogue right there. And <laughs> like, another character I found kind of tough to take was the character Muffy Tepperman, who was uh, played by a young Jamie Gertz. Uh, Muffy is like the super preppy girl of the school and she's like you know big school spirit person she's always giving announcements going people 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 and yeah she's basically like a future republican yeah yeah um you know and she's she's in the very practical sweaters and the plaid skirts and the knee-high socks and all that and um and and she makes all these announcements about sponsoring this guatemalan child and this is yeah like a really weird runner through the whole show yeah, it's like we need to we need to raise money to save our little Guatemalan child, and like yeah, that is something that they do not once, not twice, but like at least once every episode. Yeah, and it's a yeah. it's a weird running gag. Cause and I'm like, and the things they're trying to raise money for to get for this Guatemalan child gets increasingly absurd. Like, like at one point they're getting they're trying to get the child cable TV. Yeah, you know, Guatemalan's got to watch, uh, you know, Cinemax or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's weird. It's like, was this like maybe a commentary on something that was happening in the early 80s or something? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it, the, as a running gag, it fell a little flat for me. It did. And I think like get, the way Jamie Gertz kind of played it, it was very, it was kind of over the top. To be honest, it was like yeah. Very... I'm, honestly, Jamie Gertz is like one of those actors. I've I've always found her just kind of off putting, and I I can't quite put my finger on what it is. But there's just something I don't really like about her. I find uh, vaguely annoying about her. Maybe maybe it's just residue from this character from watching this this show <laughs> a bit in the early '80s, or or maybe it's just something about her manner. I don't know what it is. Oh, but yeah. I don't know. I've never been able to get into Jamie Gertz in a big way. Um. Well, well, now we'll never be able to get Jamie Gertz on the podcast. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Paul. Now you're gonna deal with all the Gertz heads or her her fan base. I know. The, I know. The Gertz Gertzaholics. I'm sure. I'm sure she's called. a perfectly nice person in life, but uh, uh, you don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, she could be a heinous person. She could wear glasses. Who knows? Yeah, of course. Yeah, she could be. Yeah, total. Yeah, exactly. With the glasses, total beast. Um, but we should mention two other uh, characters who were who are probably the other two main characters in the show that Patty and Lauren befriend. They they befriend a pair of kind of doofus guys. Uh, there's there's Johnny Slash and Marshall Blechman. Right, uh, Marshall Blechman's played by John Femia, and uh, he's basically like the class clown. Of the school, mm-hmm. like you know, he's, he's short. Uh, he's basically like a comedy nerd. Yeah, he, you know, he talks in like uh, you know comedy or uh, movie references. Like, like in the very first episode, he does. He, he says, "Oh, I'll do an impression of uh, you know, tied to SNL. I'll do an impression of um, of uh, Dan Aykroyd." And he goes into a Beldar impression, and then he mm-hmm. goes into 
you know, January, he went slut, but he cuts it off. They cut it off before he says slut. Yeah, uh, we can't have that kind of talk on, yeah, no, on television have, in 1982. What are you, can't crazy? Can't, can't call someone a slut. Good heavens. You know, what What will the children say? And, and then the second episode, when they're auditioning for a school play, he literally dresses up as Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, like with the wig and everything. And he's doing Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. It, see, it seems like there's almost an SNL reference in, in almost every episode through the character yeah, of Marshall. I, yeah, I think that's one of the things that people, you know, who enjoy this show say that it's probably one of the first few shows where they do like a lot of modern day pop culture references. And they do sprinkle in a lot of SNL, like, you know, winks to SNL in this show. Uh, yeah. I also like that, like how they did winks to other things too. There's one episode, the Halloween episode where Marshall's dressed up as one of the McKenzie brothers from SCTV. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, I like that. And um, of course there was another, t- and uh, again, in the first episode where he, when he's talking to Lauren, he goes into um, Eric Idle's wink, wink, nudge, nudge character from uh, Monty Python. Yeah. And like that. And when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's the, that's exactly the type of guy I would have hung out with in high school. That guy, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, a... I mean, the show's very much of its time in that way because it makes a lot of references to, like, the current comedy and the current music scene. They, they reference a lot of real bands, like the Waitresses, who sing the theme song. Uh, they appear at the end of the first episode playing at the school dance. Uh, Devo pops up in another episode. Woo! Yeah. Um, so right. it's, it, it's very... Yeah much about the pop culture of, of 1982 and, right, uh, uh, the last character, uh, or, or the last of the main characters is, uh, Johnny slash. Who's played by, uh, Merritt, uh, Butrick, who's probably best remembered. He's pl- for played Captain Kirk's son in, uh, this, in a couple of the star Trek movies at the eighties. Wow. He was, he was Dr. David Marcus. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Good pull. Nice pull. Yeah, yeah. So he's in he's in uh, Star Trek Wrath of Two uh, or Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. Right, and uh, so this character Johnny Slash, you hear that name, you think it's going to be some some badass rocker dude, but uh, no, he's actually like he's like a very sort of soft spoken kind of quiet guy, and uh, I mean he mumbles sometimes, and uh, he's 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 sort of like the quirky guy, mm-hmm. and um, you know, of course, what always what also makes him quirky is um. He's very into new wave. Yeah, you know, not the, punk. The, new wave, because totally different headspace. Totally, 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 totally. Uh, he and, says uh, that like literally every episode. Yeah, it's his catchphrase. Yeah, it's his. It's his. Did I do that? Yeah. And um, of course, another characteristic that he has is he's always wearing sunglasses. He always has a pair of Ray Bans on, and he always has um, his headphones on, uh, which are attached to his Walkman. So that's uh, he's basically you know he's very much like the the quirky character of the show, but he's also yeah. very, you know, heartfelt and genuine and soft-spoken. And um, I remember one critic saying when I was looking up at reviews for this, they were saying that they thought that he, like his character was, was gay. Like he was like, mm-hmm. he, he never, he never comes out as gay in the, uh, in the series. But yeah, the I mean, it, they played, even imply a couple times that he's attracted to Patty. Yeah. Yeah. Although like that, I don't think they, they never, uh, hook up or date or anything but no like, no uh, maybe maybe that was that one critic's review of it or the way they saw it but once i heard once i read that and i saw it i was like oh yeah i could i could see how that you know they may have, they may have come across you know i wonder if like maybe the 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 critic wasn't just like picking up on something uh, like some sort of vibe from the actor because 
uh, the actor, uh, Mayor Butrick, he, he was gay in real life. And he un- unfortunately was an early casualty of the AIDS crisis. He died in, I think, around 1988 uh, yeah. from complications from AIDS. Uh, yeah, he passed away at uh, 29, which is yeah. crazy young. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he's no longer with us uh, on the DVD uh, that I watch for this, they have s- some nice uh, interviews with the cast members and they do have a nice sort of reminiscence about uh, uh, Merrick. And he, he seems like he was very well liked by all his castmates. Yeah, yeah, no, he seemed like a, they all spoke very highly of him and he seemed like a really good dude. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, yeah, and then there's one other uh, main character who is a... Uh, uh, LaDonna Fredericks, played by Claudette Wells. Yes, uh, LaDonna, La, La or as the show knows her as, uh, the black one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that seems to be like the sum of her character, really. Yeah, it's it's pretty bonkers. It's, it's, it's literally like just an over-the-top characteristic of a black woman. Uh, she wears her hair like in those little beads, like they did it back in the seventies and eighties, like a yeah. Stevie Wonder, just like that type of thing. But yeah. like every time she comes, she literally comes on, like her first word, the her first word out of her mouth, anytime she speaks, is something like "Ooh, wee child, what you doing over there?" Yeah, y'all, she's, she's crazy, like, girl. You know, I mean, honestly, her character reminded me of in not another teen movie where they had the token black friend. Who's like? I'm just here to stand around and go like that is whack. I mean, yeah. that is literally what her character seemed like. Yes, yeah, very sassy. Very what it is with y'all? Y'all, y'all crazy? Hey, like it's like <laughs> it sounds like I'm I'm making fun of it, but I swear I'm not. That's exactly how it's played. It's, 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 I mean, it's, literally, her only character trait is black friend. <laughs> <laughs> and go. Hey, what what y'all doing over there? Ooh, we let's get on down with the get down. It's it's nuts. It's bonkers. I mean, it's nineteen eighty two was a different world. Yeah, like a uh, part of me was like, huh, I guess there's no uh, black people on the writing staff. Here. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the show had uh, a nearly all female writing staff, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd wager that there were no black people on that writing staff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will give it that. I will say that it is. You know, pretty awesome of them to have like an all female writing staff, which you know at the time was you know kind of unheard of. It's kind of unheard of now. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and like, I, apparently the network was nervous about that, and they they said like, no, you have to have like a token dude. So uh, Andy Borowitz was uh, one of the writing staff. So that's pretty cool. The great Andy Borowitz. So we did it, guys. Finally, a straight man gets his say, gets his voice. <sighs> On a sitcom. It's it's so nice to see a straight white man get a leg up in this world of entertainment. Been, been held back too far, too far for too long. Glass yeah. ceiling shattered. <laughs> Proud to be an American. <laughs> Please don't. But yeah, yeah. It's a... But I mean, that's basically the show. There's no real like... Like each episode is pretty much like a standalone. Yeah. So there's no real like kind of through way... Or through line throughout the whole uh, season. It's like each episode is them trying to be popular. And it doesn't even focus on those two girls, you know, 
specifically sometimes some episodes will be the focus will be on Jennifer or uh, mm-hmm. Vinny or you know or uh, Johnny or Marshall, which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean because it's a sitcom in the '80s, they don't really ever make any progress towards their goal. It's it's really just kind of back to the status quo at the end of every episode. They always every episode they think, okay, this is the thing that's going to help us get popular, and then at the end of every episode, it's like, nope, not so much. Yeah, at the end, it's like, oh, back to the old drawing board. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. I don't know. What, what, what were your overall? Well, no, let's not get into overall just yet. Um, oh, we can get into thing. overall. Okay, all right, let's get into it. So, uh, uh, like, what were your overall uh, thoughts on it? Uh, I did not like the show. Wow. <laughs> I'm be honest. I did. This show did not really work for me at all. Uh, uh, I, whether I that's just I don't think it was very good or if it just hasn't aged well or maybe both but it just did not work for me at all um, I just I, mean, I, could... I didn't I didn't find it funny I I, I thought all the jokes and the storylines were pretty predictable I, yeah. I, just, I did not enjoy watching it oh boy uh, yeah I can sort of see that like uh, I for I guess I would say I kind of agree with you because I thought because, you know, Ann Beats was heading up this show, it would be a little bit more, uh, I guess that maybe the dialogue would be a little sharper or there'd mm-hmm. be a little bit more edge to it. And I guess there there were a few kind of edgier, sharper written moments here and there. But like overall, it was more kind of a more, I guess, like mainstream type of, I don't want to say mainstream, well, mainstream-ish or more of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's... Mm. More, more like digestible a sitcom, kind of. Yeah, thing. like a more like a more digestible sitcom. But all by the same time, they were kind of doing some groundbreaking things, and they were kind of setting some tones that weren't seen in uh, teen sitcoms at the time. Like, um, like we said, like uh, you know, like bringing up all these pop culture references. Like another thing is that they had is in this in this one season, they had a lot of like celebrity cameos pop in. They, they did have a fair amount. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if like they were doing stuff that was like interesting or, or out of the ordinary for the time, but looking at it from today, from the perspective of 2021, it just seemed very old hat to me. It just seemed like a very typical sitcom. Yeah, but yeah, but like I mean, but you see what I mean? Like a lot of they did have a lot of uh, you know celebrities drop in, like uh, the the band The Waitresses, which was big at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band Devo. Shows up in that big episode. Yeah. Uh, there's another band, uh, Jimmy and the Mustangs with Richard Blade showed up. Uh, Steve Sachs shows up. And the one that kind of surprised me, there was one episode where they had uh, John Densmore, who was the drummer for The Doors. Yeah, that's very up. unusual. <laughs> that was very unusual. I was like, and, and they literally say, like, they don't refer to him by name very much. They just say, like, oh, yeah, this guy, he was the drummer in The Doors, and he's in Johnny Slash's band. <laughs> And and in the episode where they introduce him, they are literally playing at a grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, really, was were things that bad for John Densmore in 1982 that he he was going to be in this high schoolers band and they're playing at the at a grocery store? It's like, hey, check's a check, man. <laughs> Works work. Uh, those royalties aren't uh, coming in like, like they used to. Been a long time since since Morrison was around. Yeah, light my fire was a long time ago. 
I don't know. It, it's just a very strange thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, they did pump this show up with a lot of uh, cameos. And of course, two of which we'll talk about that are SNL related. There's one episode yeah. where the, we have uh, the great Don Novello pop in as uh, Father Guido Sarducci. Yeah, is uh, you know, he was... Do you think Guido Sarducci's kind of forgotten today? Um, yeah, I would I would say so. I, I, I think... feel like he's disappeared down the memory hole a little bit because Don Novello, uh, the writer and the actor, he he passed away some time ago, I believe. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, let me let me look into that. But um, yeah, I, I I would say so. I think he's not. He was of its time. Like I think yeah. there there are okay. some no um. Uh... Okay, I, I take that back. Apparently, he has not passed away. Oh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Jesus. no death date listed on Wikipedia, so. Give me a heart Apologies attack, sir. Mr. Don Novello. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. I don't know where I got the idea he passed away. There's somewhere, like, a friend of Don Novello's listening to his podcast, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Don! Don! No! He's not answering! He's not answering! <laughs> Oh boy! And, and he's like, "What? I just went out and went grocery oh, shopping." Yeah, I was at the store. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. I feel, I feel fine. Okay, I I really got to stop the con- saying with any kind of confidence that somebody is dead. Yeah, dude, don't you? Because it seems like whenever I do, they turn out to be alive, which is uh, great. I'm glad that they're alive, but yeah, they're yeah, they're, they're fine. Everybody's fine. Um. But uh, yeah, yeah, there was an episode with Don Novello, of course, because Ann Beats had that SNL connection. And then mm-hmm. speaking of SNL connection, uh, there's uh, we get another guest appearance on what I think is the best episode of this whole season. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, fucking Mister Bill Murray comes in as a substitute teacher. Yeah, uh, uh, Mister McNulty, who's like a, and like, dude, this episode is just, it's just. Murray being Murray. It's, 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 it's like the third from the last episode, uh, like the 18 out of 20, because this was a rather swiftly canceled show. It did lasted like one season. Um, yeah, and Bill Murray comes in. And you can tell Bill Murray just did not, disregarded the script. <laughs> He's just doing his Bill Murray improv stuff. And dude, and dude, I love it. It's it's just raw, uncut Bill Murray. Just put it in my veins. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, and it's like early '80s Bill Murray. So it's like Bill Murray is like the cock of the walk. He's he's fresh off of Stripes and Tootsie. So he is he is a big star. He's a big get for the show. And of course, uh, you know, he he shows up because uh, he had a friendship with Ann Beats. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. There's like a bunch of little things in there because like he's just being a substitute teacher who's, uh, you know covering for another teacher who's out and like you can even tell there's one scene where there's like another uh, teacher there who's like introducing him to the class mm-hmm. and bill murray's just going off being bill murray and you can see that teacher that introduced him he's like kind of holding in his laughter a little bit he's like yeah. turning away from the camera like cracking up yeah and i was like god god damn you bill murray you're like he, he just makes everything better he's like the the bacon of comedy yeah he, he's he's just wonderful on, on the show and he he does a great job. He's uh, he's a, a substitute teacher. He's in the class where the the girls have or the the students have to do a, like a mock marriage with each other, and they have to stay within a budget, a two hundred dollar budget. Um, right. And uh, <laughs> he he's just great. He does he does a stupendous job. Yeah, he's good stuff. He's 
He's aces, kiddo. Mm-hmm. Although, I, although I will admit that at one point, uh, because like everybody gets paired up, but Sarah Jessica Parker's character doesn't, and so he volunteered to like marry, you know, quote unquote, marry her. I was like, yeah. oh, that's. I was like, I don't, I don't know if you saw this too. There were a few scenes throughout the season where it's like, oh, the the teacher student relationship is a little. Yeah, it's getting inappropriate here. Yeah, they're they're okay. The second episode, in particular, the second episode, um, what was what was the title of that one? I don't have the title handy, but it's it's about the drama teacher at the school, and he's written an an original musical. Uh, I, it's like Cafeteria Line. Was that it? Yes, the second episode is called A Cafeteria Line. Okay, so it's like sort of a, like a play on a chorus line, and he's written an, an original musical, which is about. The drama teacher at a high school being romantically involved with a student. And I am watching this through uh, 20, 21 eyes, and I'm just like, how is this man not in jail? <laughs> the, I, right? <laughs> how, how did this get as far as auditions? I, I mean, because you have to, like, people have to approve this stuff. This, this had to be cleared. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I cannot imagine a teacher being like, yeah, I, I want to do a, an original musical about a high school drama teacher who gets involved with one of his students. Uh, be like, okay, just stay right here. We're going to have these detectives come talk to you. We're calling the proper authorities right now. <laughs> I, I mean, my God. It's pretty. Yeah. And there's also one episode where the girls have like a slumber party. And then yeah. the teacher, one of the female and a teacher's came, house. At a teacher's house, yeah, and like, and they're all dressed in like nineties and stuff. I was like, yeah, dude, this is this is how some uh, adult movies start. I don't, I don't know about this. <laughs> it's uh, and and in the Bill Murray episode, he's he's like hanging out with the students at the at the diner that they go to, and yeah, and there's another episode where where the girls have the crush on the janitor. There, there's like this hunky young janitor there, and yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess that maybe, I mean, it's of the time. And yeah, I guess things like that were happening and maybe still are happening where, you know, you know, teenage girls have crushes on their teachers and stuff. But uh, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, I mean, I I could not just suspend my disbelief and watch this in the context of its time. It just, I was just like, how is this, (laughs) the entire staff of this high school not in prison? (laughs) Yeah, like... Where like the parents would have called would have clocked this immediately and be like, let's like no, we're shutting this all down. Yeah. Shutting it down right it was, now. I was just like mind boggling. <laughs> that second episode in particular. Yeah, that was I mean guys, yeah, just to see you should guys you know, guys watch it if you can, because it's like yikes. Oh, oh, and in in I also see this in, in, in my notes on episode four. Episode four is about them. Uh, forming a girls football team um and there is there's a substitute teacher in there who fires a gun off in his class it has blanks in it yeah and then he's like oh yeah don't worry it's blanks and again i was like how is this man not in jail (laughs) there's nothing there's blanks no harm no foul man come on again it's 1982 i realize it's a different era and all that but i'm like you shot off a gun in class dude (laughs) That dude, is not okay. Dude, like down in Texas, that's just like ringing the school bell. Yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> that's just that's just how it goes. That's 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 the beyond the Mason Dixon line. That's a okay. 
<laughs> it's just mind-boggling. Just mind-boggling. It's, yeah, it's uh oh boy. It's it's something else. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, so like uh, I mean like overall I do agree with what you're you're saying like um like the dialogue gets kind of cheesy here and there and yeah. again maybe it's a, I think it's of its time. But there were a few good lines I heard here and there that I kind of dug. Like there was one episode during the um the Halloween episode uh-huh. where um LaDonna and Jennifer are talking and La- you know Jennifer's talking about how much she loves Halloween and LaDonna says something like yeah I, I never liked Halloween. I don't know. Just something about uh, white people and sheets is just not my idea of a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good line. I, I did like yeah. that line. That was a good line. And actually in one of the uh, behind the scenes interviews I watched, the, the actress uh, Claudette Wells uh, quoted that line back. She said, you know, that, that was a really good line. And interestingly, like um, Claudette Wells and Tracy Nelson, they were playing best friends on the show and they became best friends in real life. They bonded over uh, their hair issues, mm. oddly <laughs> enough, because uh, uh, Tracy Nelson got a very short do, uh, as was the style of the time. It was like you know the Pat Benatar time, right? Love of the battlefield, uh, right? Right, and they like I think the hairstylist on the show thought it made her look too much like a boy, and so they forced her to wear a wig. And at least the early episodes, and she says like, "Oh yeah, it looks like I had a squirrel on my head." And uh, Claudette Wells, they said, um, you have to go out and get the beads and braids. And they, she was so young and so green, she didn't realize, like, well, that's your responsibility, show. <laughs> so she, uh, she, like, goes out on her day off to get this done. And apparently it was, like, a nine-hour process. Uh, <laughs> because they didn't, they had no one that knew how to work black hair. They're like, oh. Yeah, is, yeah. And, and, and they were talking beyond. about, apparently, they, they had issues of lighting the two of them in the same shot because uh tracy nelson was very fair-skinned and and claudette not yeah (laughs) you don't say so um, they didn't know how to light the two of them in the same shot because they just had such different skin tones i have noticed that is something that is a thing that a lot of people don't think about like how yeah black people just need to be lit differently and Mm -hmm. i mean yeah you could be like a like a you know, like a professional in the biz as far as lighting goes and whatnot. But like, yeah, like that, that could still be a huge issue. And that's an issue that people don't really talk about or even think about. But yeah, yeah that's, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, as progressive moving as the show was, or was trying to be like, there were still things, there were still like blind spots that, that they had that they weren't even yeah. thinking about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, but the show did have a few funny lines here and there. Uh, I did like that one line. I mean, it's kind of, a messed up joke, but um, it's the episode where they were looking for a new mascot for the school, and of course, mm-hmm. the new because ma- they're the Wimowee High School, the new their mascot is a Native American, which right. is another thing. They had like uh, their mascot is just like a dude dressed in a big headdress and the uh, you know, moccasins and whatnot, which mm-hmm. is today nowadays is not a little frowned upon. And so, uh, in this episode, they were trying to get uh, Johnny Slash to be the new mascot who is like part Polish. Or something yeah. like that, and so he'd have to dress up as a Native American. And Johnny was like, "I don't know if I want to do this because you know, I don't, I don't have any Native American in me. Like my, my, I'm, my family's from uh, Poland. I'm Polish." Mm-hmm. And then Marshall said, "There, there are Native Americans in uh, Poland. Haven't you ever heard of totem poles?" Hey, I think I'd either forgotten that or that that one just sailed by me. <laughs> Part of me was like, oh, I, 
I hate myself for chuckling at that. <laughs> I hate, hate, hate myself for chuckling at that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, a, a few diamonds in the rough, but yeah, overall, like most of, most of the jokes just did not work for me. Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing where, I don't know, like uh, the jokes, they and the dialogue felt kind of stale and a, a lot of it, yeah. and it just, the jokes felt kind of stale, and I think that's, that's, that's the main thing I, that kind of was like, oh, because like I, you know, I love Ann Beats and she's a, you know, fantastic writer. She gave us uh, on SNL. She gave us like the nerds, and um, I believe she gave us Fred Garvin, male prostitute, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, like that right there, that just guarantees yeah. her her spot of immortality. Damn straight. But yeah, so I thought this series would be a little bit more snappier and fresher, and a little bit like before, you know, ahead of its time than it is. Yeah, and. I mean, in some cases, it is, but it does seem to be a little bit more bogged down in its time. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I think. I that's mean, like fair to say. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that they they were putting on like um, all these new bands like Devo. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, guys, like I've how great is Devo? Like this <laughs> that that episode reminded me of how much I really loved the first album and all of their albums, but like the first album in particular. But yeah, like. Guys, if you haven't heard, to see them, yeah, and, and they yeah. they they play a fair amount because like it's an early '80s sitcom, so it's like slower pace than what we're used to these days. So the scenes linger a lot more, you know. Yeah, that might be it too. That might be more lingering than uh, yeah. than I'm yeah. used to. Uh, did, but yeah, as long as we're talking about the music, they did really piss me off in in one episode, um, in episode oh. eight. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, right, they, they made a joke about Elvis Costello, <laughs> and. And, you know, somebody was like, oh, well, hey, look at Elvis Costello. And and the comeback was, oh, do I have to? And I was like, okay, I officially hate the show now. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> as soon as I saw that episode, I was like, oh, John's going to have a problem with that. John's not going to like that. No, no. You don't, you don't make fun of EC. No. The, the, man's, the man's a legend. Come on. Show some goddamn respect. Some, yeah. Yeah, youngsters. You hoodlums. <laughs> um. Uh, Oh uh, yeah, so back to Devo. They're they're yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, that first album is fantastic. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't write too much about this uh, about the show because it's, um, I mean, it's like you said, it it does, it is progressive in a few areas. Like they do talk about issues, like uh, like I said, Reaganomics, or um, yeah. there was that one episode where uh, they wanted, they had like a teacher that was like. I guess on the verge of getting fired because yeah, and they found. Oh, I'll let you finish it. They they found out that he was live. He had a child with his girlfriend, and they were they were unwed. And this was like a, some people had a problem with this. This was a big problem, and so they tried to get him fired because of this. And it, I don't know. I was looking at her. It's just like. Like it was from Mars. I was like, yeah, was that a problem even in 1982? That was that was an issue. And and they they kind of bring it up that it's more about that that character being the Muffy character being sanctimonious. But uh, yeah, yeah, weird. It was an odd thing to to bring up. I mean, I guess I could see that being a problem in the 80s. But I don't know. Part of me would think that there would there be a little more progressive in the 80s than that. But yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I was only like five in the early eighties. I don't. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the world was like. But. I mean, and but the the teacher is going to get fired because really the principal doesn't like his unorthodox style of teaching. He's. 
I, I did like this running gag. This the teacher, Mr. Donovan. He's he's like this ex hippie, you know, because it's like 1982, so like 15 years before it was like in the summer of love and all that, right? And so he's always coming just up to the verge of like admitting he smoked pot and sold drugs <laughs> and all that, but he's always stopping himself just short of that. I did enjoy that. I thought that was that was kind of clever. Yeah, that was a nice little thing where it just kind of goes off and yeah, you know, he talks about oh yeah, was, we were selling a kid like a kilo of oh never mind. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, I had an after-school job. Oh, what'd you do? Uh, I was in sales. Uh, <laughs> yes. What'd you sell? Um, items, <laughs> things. Yeah. You know, he's very big. And I did like the gag at the end of that episode where they they came close to firing the teacher, and the students staged like a a sit sit in protest against him getting fired." And at one point, it's they float the notion of like, well, this problem would go away if you just married your girlfriend, right? And he's like, well, you know, we, we could do that. And then at the end of the episode, he's talking with one of the students and he's like, you know what? I think you had a good idea. We're going to take your advice. I think we're, we are going to end up getting married. And she's like, oh, great. When, when is that going to happen? And he's like, oh, well, just as soon as her divorce is final. Damn. Like, I liked that. I liked that gag. Yeah, like this... I mean, the show comes close to, like, really, like, hammering some stuff home and really being on the edge, but then it kind of just pulls back a little bit and becomes a little bit more, like, kind of formulaic. Like, I, And I don't know if that's because the, of the networks or because, you know, maybe they just didn't want to go that, you know, far into it and or, you know, or be that radical. I feel like it's just kind of how more they did sitcoms back then. Like, you just, you reestablish the status quo at the end of every episode like there's one episode where jennifer the really popular girl uh the the nerdy girls discover uh that jennifer is working at the diner because her family's <gasps> in a bad way because of reaganomics and at the end of that episode it's just like oh yeah she doesn't have to work at the diner anymore because my family's good again <laughs> yeah the, like everything gets wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end of every episode there's no real stakes yeah yeah so, and, and she didn't really learn too much from the experience. Nope, not at all. She just goes right back to being who she was at the, at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah. No, gro- no growth whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I don't know. A few times I'm looking like, this premiered in the same year as Cheers. <laughs> and, yeah. and Cheers still holds up beautifully for me. I mean, it works just as, as well as it did back then, if not better. And <laughs> this just did not age well for me. Yeah, I could see that. It didn't. Yeah, it kind of aged a little poorly. It's a, it's a bummer. Like, uh, I mean, there are things I liked in it. Uh, like I said, the Bill Murray cameo. Uh, yeah. Martin Mull shows up in an episode, which is always yeah. I didn't know he was going to be in one. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, and of course, all the musical, you know, pop ins here and there. Like, uh, like we said, the waitresses, uh, Devo, of course, the fucking the magnificent. You consider Devo. the waitresses a plus, though. I have, uh, I have never liked the waitresses. I don't know. I was I was trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly do not like any of their songs. I, I have know. not heard a waitress's song that I like. Yeah, they really uh, they really kind of captured you know lightning in a bottle with that. Just being really a popular band, despite the lead singer not really singing. Yeah, she's just sort of like droning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm bringing droning back to the, to yeah. the mainstream. 
Just, you know, know, like the I Know What Boys Like, bad song. The Christmas wrapping, bad song. The Square Pegs theme, bad song. Yeah, wow. You were letting this, you were letting this sitcom have it. They are not good. (laughs) This sitcom is bad and it should feel bad. (laughs) The waitresses are are not a good band and they, yeah. (laughs) I have no problem calling them out for that. All right, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but despite all that, this show was somewhat popular, wasn't it? I, I think that... uh, it started out with good ratings. Uh, apparently it's, I mean, like the early episodes were getting like a 24 rating, which today and in, in today's market shows would kill for. And apparently part of what killed the show was they, they changed its time slot. They changed its night and its time slot. And it, uh, I think it, when it started out, it was. It was on. It was on CBS, and it, I think it might have been on the same night as Mash, which you know that's that's got to be good. It was like Mash in the last season, but Mash Oof. was one of the best rated shows on TV. And they changed it to another night, and its lead-in was Zorro and Son. Yes, I remember, I saw like a um, if you go on YouTube, you can find like one of the old uh, like you know uh, CBC, CBS bumpers for it, where it's just like mm-hmm. you know at eight watch Zorro and Son, and eight thirty yeah. watch Square Pegs. Yeah, and it's uh, Zoran Shun, not not a good show. I remember that show. I watched a few episodes of it as a kid because, like, I, I was watching anything vaguely superhero related. And uh, Zoran Shun, not a good show. Oof. It was nice. it was about an older uh, Zoro, and his his young son is sort of taking up the Zoro mantle, and uh, wackiness ensues. Hijinks galore. Yeah, uh, no no actual humor ensues but but oh. wackiness ensues. <laughs> um yeah so there's there's hijinks and wackiness they're just not funny hijinks and no, wackiness. no and so not a good lead-in for square pegs the two shows do not have much in common right, yeah. uh yeah and son also was a big flop i think that show was canceled after only like five episodes or so yeah um, I, I barely remember that yeah yeah um but yeah so i mean even though like it seems like the show got positive reviews but yeah, like the ratings were kind of really there. And another oh, oh it, and another factor in the ratings after they moved the show, it went up against uh, the A Team. I've heard of that show. So, and this was like you know A Team in season one when it was it was the big hit on TV. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and Ann Beats was telling the story. She's like their their ratings were like a twenty four, and she, after they were moved to opposite the A Team, she called in for the ratings, and uh, they were they went down to a twelve. So their ratings were cut in half. Yikes. Uh, that's not good. Yeah. And that's when you call in that favor and ask Bill Murray to be in your show for an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Ann Beats, uh, this is a, a piece on, on Vulture. She says, when I phoned CBS for the overnights the next Thursday morning, the chipper young girl on the phone told me the share was 12. So we lost roughly half our audience in one week. Uh, then she asked me for a job. I should have told her with timing like that, stay out of the, to- the comedy business. Oh boy! So, you gads. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah. So I mean, that's one of the things that uh, kind of contributed to its uh, cancellation. But there was also another thing that. Uh, well, I guess we should get into it. This is like the big thing. Yeah. Um, this this is interesting. There's there's yeah. some interesting backstory. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna be saying the word allegedly quite a bit yes. going forward. Yeah, um, like a few months after the show ended, there was an article in a TV Guide. I've got it up now, uh, called "Anatomy of a Failure," 
uh, Square Pegs, How Drugs, Ego, and Chaos Helped Kill a Promising Series. Mm. And this this ran in June 1984. So this was after the show ended, but they did like this uh, six-month investigation on on the show. <laughs> And, we gotta, we gotta, uh, we gotta investigate this. Crack yeah. recording. Yeah, because like the show, we we haven't mentioned the show was shot uh, at a uh, closed down high school. Yes, in, in, uh, Calif- in California. In California, yeah, and it was uh, uh, what was the name of the town? Norwood. It was Nor something. Norwalk. Norwalk. Okay. And so it was, it was kind of away from the studios and away from the production company. So, and Ann Beats was like a first time producer. And it was a lot of young, kind of untested people. So, so it seems like it was kind of chaotic behind the screen, behind the scenes. Yeah, there. It seemed like there were definitely kind of, I guess, like it was like a first day at day camp or sleepaway camp uh, type of vibe, where like, oh, there's the bosses aren't around. We're all new to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 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 teacher isn't looking, so it's said sneak away and do some uh, do some wild things. Yeah, and it's uh, 1982, so that wild thing was uh, cocaine. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. You know, it was 1982, so yeah, you're doing cocaine. Um, that's what I call. Allegedly. Yeah, that's um, what I call cocaine. I call it wild thing. Yeah, um, a lot of people in this TV Guide article they commented off the record. Um, actually, Merritt uh, Butrick commented on the record, um, and he says there have been drugs on every show I've ever done, from professional theater on down. It was on square pegs. It was certainly no worse. I'd have to say average. (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to 10 of rampant drug use on the set, this is about a five. (laughs) I I mean, wow. That that is nuts. Um, I mean, you're of the theater, John. Does, Does that... Happen a lot. I, I was in community theater. Um, oh, that's not that's not the same. We we uh, there was no uh, coke in the community theater that I did, uh, or if there was, no one was sharing it with me. Oh, <laughs> come on, guys, sharing is caring. Um, there's also this quote from Ann Beats saying, um, "I think that certainly there was some drug abuse or drug traffic that may have happened, because I would say that that is a norm for a set." <laughs> This is wow. the producer of the show. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there, there was some cocaine. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. normal, right? Look, look, if you're working on a film and there's not cocaine on the set, are you really shooting a film? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, not in 1982, you're not. <laughs> right. I mean, as we said on this podcast, the Blues Brothers was, like, built on cocaine. That yes, film. yes. Um, I mean, when you cast John Belushi, cocaine automatically gets a co-starring role in your production. It gets an EP credit. (laughs) Yeah. Brought to you by cocaine. Oh, (laughs) cocaine produced this? Ooh, that's good. Oh, oh, they've done some good work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, um, let's see. In in the TV God article, it says another cast member who asked not to be named. Yeah, there were drugs. Uh, the thing that made it very dangerous and stupid in our case is that there were minors on set, and that was a large concern. I think it would have been conveniently ignored if we were all adults, but as I said, because of the fact that there were minors, it was an issue. Mm. So, that, I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, you already have the show where there are some episodes where like teachers and parent and the students are having like a weird 
relationship, and now you have like full on blow yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Woo! So uh, it's it's something else. I mean, and beats uh, like pushback uh, on this article, even um, back in, uh, on a Vulture article in in 2020. Uh, she she pushed back on this and and she she wrote back uh, saying that it, you know the TV Guide article was sensationalist, but I mean with people are commenting on this and and one of the actors even going on record about it, there seems to be something to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, wasn't um didn't they also interview uh, one of the members of Devo and he had like a few things to say about it? Yeah. This was this was a separate interview. This was with um, uh, a thing called Heeb Magazine. H E E B. Um, they, they interviewed uh, Devo's bassist uh, Gerald D. Uh, Casal, uh, and he talked about his experience on that. Uh, he says uh, the girls were out of control. They were doing drugs and were making out and were coming on to us in a big way. They might have been fifteen or sixteen, but in their heads they were already forty. I don't think there was a virgin on set except maybe a couple of the guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he also talks about uh, apparently Jamie Gertz had a, had a crush on him. And, uh, mm, oh, and, boy. And, yeah, I mean, he doesn't... He doesn't. I, I think he named names in his interview. I can't get back to that interview <laughs> exactly. Wow. But, uh, yeah, he, he named a couple of the names. Oh, boy. Wow, don't, uh, don't stand so close to me. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's like okay, well, there was there was some stuff going on. Yeah, the, apparently. So um, apparently, apparently, or allegedly, allegedly, there was there was some cocaine going on. Indeed. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, I mean, it, it seems like you know, allegedly, all this happened. Allegedly, allegedly. But uh, allegedly, I mean, I, allegedly, please don't. Yeah. say we have no money. Yes. Oh, none. Not, none. Not at all. None. Uh, so it. I mean, I guess. Yeah, that, I mean that might have been uh, a factor into its cancellation, but like a lot of think? I think so. But like I don't know, a lot of people are. I mean, Ann Beats, you know, says yeah, that's totally not it because yeah. you know, even though we were getting good reviews, the ratings weren't there, and, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, so. but and and also apparently because it was a very inexperienced writers' room, they had they had trouble like you know m- making deadlines and and there were there were things in the show that just didn't track continuity wise. Mm. Uh, in, in the TV God article, they mentioned, uh, like the character of Vinny, like, you know, one week he was, uh, one time he was dumb, then he was sexy, then he was stoic. There was no continuity. Yeah. The thing that leaped out to me was there's, there's an episode about the character of Muffy having her, her bat mitzvah. And then two episodes later, literally two episodes later, she's throwing a Christmas party. Yeah, what and was that like, about? What? Uh, what huh? <laughs> like, are you are you Jewish or are you not? I mean, you know, maybe she has one parent of each, and she, but they didn't even address it. And I'm like, you hit, you had your bat mitzvah, yeah, literally two episodes ago. So just just go in and talk about Hanukkah. Like, can you? Yeah, I, that I think that's the one thing. I, I'll agree with you there. Like, which each episode, like the characters, kind of. They fluctuate. The most, yeah, they fluctuated depending on what the storyline was. Yeah, and uh, it's like you said, like no one, 
none of the characters really grew or learned anything throughout the series. Like, you know, like, it's, like one episode, the, uh, the popular kids, uh, LaDonna and, uh, Vinny and Jennifer were actually nice to the nerds and they like got yeah. along. But then the very next episode, they were back to square one and they were just like, get out of here, nerd. Yeah. And, and in many gonna... episodes, they're like, they're not remembering the, the nerd girl's names. They're like, yeah, who are you? And it's like, you, you interacted with him like literally last episode. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, continuity is kind of wonky. Yeah. Uh, throughout this thing. But, uh, I mean, I mean course, I w- to be fair, this show, it was not meant to be binged. Uh, so yeah. I think some of the things that, that might have bugged us, like, you know, Johnny saying the, oh, it's a totally different head space. Totally. Totally, totally. Like he, him saying that literally every episode, that probably wouldn't have been a problem if you were watching it week to week. But yeah, that's... watching it all at once <laughs> as we did. Yeah, that's very true. That's very yeah. true. Um, but yeah, overall, like I can see, you know, there's like there's like flashes of like really good stuff, but yeah. overall, it I don't think this series really holds up that well. There there would be like stuff in the series that people would take and kind of apply to their, you know, TV shows and movies. Like you can see like how, uh, like a movie like Mean Girls would, would be influenced by Square Pegs or a TV show like Freaks and Geeks or yeah. Pen 15 or, or, or you know, My So-Called Life or, yeah. yeah. Or like any John Hughes movie. You can see mm-hmm. all that being influenced by this show, but like overall the show itself had, you know, flashes of brilliance, but overall it's like, Mm, doesn't quite get there no no which which is a shame <laughs> i mean yeah it's, yeah i wish i'd enjoyed this show uh more but honestly it, w- it was just kind of a slog to get through i was just for for most of the time i was watching it i was i was doing other things around the apartment i'm like how many episodes till bill murray comes on okay okay bill murray episode because it just you know, 1983 Bill Murray. How can you not enjoy him? That's peak Bill Murray. My God, I peak mean Bill Murray. Um, oof. Yeah, uh, and, but, and you can you can see him having fun, and you can see the other actors just kind of reacting and just trying to follow along with with the insanity that he is doing. Yeah, there are scenes where he's clearly not sticking to the script, where he's just like, yeah. "I'm just going to do this." Hey, what's going on there, Sugar Pop? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, just and, kinda... and the actor who. Who has uh, played the, the teacher, Mr. Donovan? Uh, he he talked about that in his interview and the special features on it. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm just I was just trying to keep up with him, and I was I was just start, trying to sort of steer it back to the script slightly. <laughs> okay, like if we can get back to what the writers wrote, that'd be yeah. nice." You know, he's like, "Oh yeah, we should probably get this plot point in at some point." <laughs> yeah, you know, just you know, for for the for the audience, for the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Square Pegs, uh, so-so show that could have been better. I'll yeah, say that. Not, not good, not good. Um, yeah. You know, there was, there was one episode in, in the second episode where they're auditioning for the uh, Cafeteria Line uh, musical. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker has uh, sings a number at the end of that, and she has a wonderful singing voice. So she's a really impressive singer. Right, yeah, I think she, uh, she. I mean, as a kid, she did like Annie a few times. I think. Yeah, she did she Annie on Broadway. That's how she got her start. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, kids, kids. that was impressive. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that she hasn't done more musical stuff over the course of her career. Um, yeah, I am too. Like it's, it's weird. And yeah, this is like early on Sarah Jessica Parker. Like I looked in this, she's 
I looked at her. I looked at this in IMDb, and it was like, oh, this is before she did Footloose. She, yeah, like yeah, she got Footloose, I think, a little after this show. Yeah, like during this time, she had just done like some TV movies and like uh, some episodes of Three Two One Contact. I remember that show. <laughs> yeah, that was a great show for you know a young uh, nerdy me in the eighties. This show's awesome. I'm learning, <laughs> and I'm edu- and I'm entertained. Yeah, uh, it's just, uh, but uh, ugh, yeah, overall show. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, not, we'll end the episode on that. Overall, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, guys, that's our episode. Thanks so much for listening to our thoughts on uh, Square Pegs, a show that you probably won't watch unless you have a DVD player and can get your hands on it. It's like, it's uh, honestly, you can buy the entire season on Amazon for eight bucks. So, if you want to spend yeah. uh, your money on that, then uh, have at it. Yeah, yeah. And on the the DVD that I got, it was like the the super deluxe. DVD that had some special features, just basically some interviews with the uh, the, the cast and, and crew, uh, with like little bits of the trivia that I've sprinkled in throughout this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, and they, they talked to most everybody except for uh, uh, Mira Beechuk, who unfortunately passed away by that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a yeah. shame. So um, so yeah, so that's our um, that's the episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerd Show. Please uh, follow us, rate, review, subscribe, the whole Megillah. And uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and, and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. Right. And uh, yeah, next uh, so the next episode, it'll be a new episode of SNL, uh, you know, the first of the final three of the season. And uh, guys, it looks like it's it looks like we're going they're, we're going through with this May eighth, Elon Musk, and Miley Cyrus. Yeah, um, not, uh, not looking forward to this one. Um, this story has kind of developed further over the course of this week. Elon Musk, he's had some tweets where he's quote unquote pitching skits for the show. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. even if he is like just trolling at this point, just like saying things to get a rise out of people, and like it's it's more it's it, it's more annoying than it is infuriating. It's not to even me. good trolling. I mean, it's really not. It's it's like it's like you know, it's like that kid who's trying to be a badass, but he's like doing all these lame things, thinking he's a badass, and he's nowhere near being a badass. It's like. Uh, I mean, I, I look. I try to think of a rational reason as to why I'm really not looking forward to this episode. And I think it's not going to be great because I don't want it to be a thing where it's, where people are saying, "Oh, he's not. He doesn't like it because you know he's a liberal PC cuck and he can't handle it when somebody you know some a, you know a dude like Elon Musk can come." To, and it's no, it's not that. It's like, all right. The reason I don't think this episode is going to be great is because. All right, for one thing, he's not a performer at all. He doesn't yeah. didn't sing. He doesn't act, even though he has been in a few movies. I was actually kind of surprised. His uh, IMDb page is a little bit more healthier than I thought. Well, when, he, you, when you're you know that notable of a person, you're, you're asked to cameo on a number of things. Right. Like he was in, um, what was it? He was Iron in Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. He was in uh, Machete Kills. He, uh, he did an episode of 
Bing Bang Theory. Um, he did like a voiceover in, uh, you know, I think The Simpsons and South Park and you know Rick and Morty. But of course, he does them all as his as Elon Musk. He doesn't play; mm-hmm. he plays himself. So he 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 has performed, I guess you could say, but it's all as him. Yeah, but and, I wouldn't say he has a background in in performing or acting or yeah. And that that's always a cause for concern, right? Um, here are some of the ideas he threw out on Twitter. Irony Man defeats villains using the power of irony. Okay. Baby Shark and Shark Tank merge to form Baby Shark Tank. Mm. And uh, last one, Woke James Bond. And then after that, he just writes SNL May 8th. So. <sighs> Okay. I, I, I don't even know what most of those are supposed to be. I, yeah. I, 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 you can't even recognize those as jokes. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the thing because all right, it's like, all right, yeah, you could say that SNL has had people on that aren't, you know, performers and they've yeah. done okay. And that is that is true. That's valid. Sure. sure. But the thing yeah. is, though, if you're not a performer. And, and you can always, uh, the host can always surprise us. They can't surprise you, but see, that's the thing. Like, if you're not a performer, you have to have something else to win over the audience. You have to have, I don't know, comedic timing. You have to be charming. Yeah. You have to be gracious. You have to have some type of charisma. You have to, charisma. You have to be like, hey, you know, I know I'm not a normal performer, but I'm really pumped to do this. So let's, hey, let's all get together. Let's all, you know, it's going to be a great show. You have to have that thing that wins over people. And you know, makes them believe that you're gonna you're gonna get a good show. And from what I've heard about Elon Musk, he does not have that. Yeah. So if he doesn't if he's not a performer and he doesn't have the charm and charisma to win people over, what does he have? Like what, what like why are we even doing this? And why and and like some of some of the cast members and some of the people behind the scenes of SNL have even like sort of trolled at him or clapped back at him a little bit. Um yeah, like yeah. Bowen Yang, it, it, like tweeted when his thing, the the his comment of "Let's see how live this show really is." Bowen Yang was like, "What does that even mean?" And I saw Chris Red um, responding to his his throwing out some skit ideas for SNL. What should I do? And Chris Red was like, "Well, first I'd stop calling them skits." Yeah, a lot of people hated that he called them skits. A yeah. lot of people. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna yeah say. You shouldn't host a sketch comedy show unless you know to call them sketches, not skits. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. Are <laughs> yeah. So um, and, and apparently they've they've declared that uh, anyone who has a big problem with this, any cast member, doesn't have to do the show. That they don't have to appear on the show. So yeah, see, and that's an, if anything comes of that. Yeah, and that's another thing. We're already going to go into the show with tension everywhere. Like the cast members are going to have tension with the host. Yeah. And like the audience is going to have feel tension because of this host. It, yeah. it seems like it's a, I don't know. It just seems like this was like stunt casting and it's worth more trouble than it is. So it's like, it's more like trouble it's, than it's worth. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I meant. More trouble than it's worth. It just seems yeah. like it's going to be tense and it's going to be like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, like we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know if the cast members are going to like rebel in some. Shady, you know, something not shady, but like some like low key, as my people say, some low key way. It's it's uh, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like they hosted, they made this guy a host just for you know, 
you know, to be for like a oh, it'd be like a nice little ratings grab and get it'll be a trending and it'll be like a little popular and online and whatnot. People will be talking about it, but it seems I, I don't know if it's going to be worth all this trouble to yeah. have them. I mean, usually I'm the I try to be as positive as I can and think, well, let's see what he can do. But like I, I don't see, hmm, I just don't see too many positives to having him on the show. But I guess I could be wrong, but. I don't know. I mean, it's got people talking about it, uh, so I guess yeah. that's that, something. That's, that is that is something. That's absolutely something. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I'm not looking so, forward to it. It's yeah, it's part of me was that's going to happen apparently, but yeah, part of me was thinking, oh, maybe we should just do an episode about uh, Michael Che's new show on HBO Max instead. Like, we can, can we just do that? That's premiering on the sixth, right? That is air. That is May sixth. That damn Che. That damn Michael Che. Yeah, he he uh, actually showed a clip of it on uh, a, a part of a sketch on uh, the Jimmy Fallon show this week, uh, which and has Cecily Strong in it. So yeah, yeah. There's actually and also there's like a full trailer out that shows all the people that'll be on it. Uh, Cecily Strong will be on an episode. Heidi Gardner is going to be in an episode. Um, Sam Jay, who writes on SNL, will be on an episode. Uh, you know, I think Colin Quinn's going to be on it. It's, it's it looks good. I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this Elon Musk episode. I mean, uh, uh, bat down the hatches, people. Strap in because it's it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> yes. We're, we'll end the episode on that up note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we'll end the episode tonight. Uh. Yeah. But, it, but until then, until then, nerds, nerds out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.